0: going to be in in Galatians chapter 5, you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, these fine fellows will get you one, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and um, before I have you stand, because we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, we sit for the word of the teacher, Uh, before I have you stand, let me just put it into context for you, just a sec here, okay, I'm better. Galatians chapter 5, this, is, um, this was written by the Apostle Paul, it's a letter written to the churches in this region of Galatia, and it's dealing with a very important concept that we need to know in our, our day and age, and it's liberty, liberty. And now as we've come through Paul's theology and we come to chapter 5, this to me is one of the most powerful portions of this entire epistle because it deals with this concept of liberty. Pay attention because you're losing your freedoms, but you never have to lose your liberty, You'll see what I mean in a moment, um, but listen, we're under attack, and I'm going to explain in a minute. I had the privilege uh, Friday morning to go and share with uh, about 14, maybe more people at the Republican National Committee. They met in Los Angeles, and they asked me to go and do a morning service at 7.30 Friday morning, so I drove over there and did that, and yeah, you know, you the chairman of the Republican Party for Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Iowa, Ohio, and, uh, and, and just sharing with them this idea, and I look, at, I look at political parties as, you know, holding tanks, and they're just a representation of, of the nation itself, but every one of those folks that came to that prayer service, they're under attack for the soul of the nation, and this idea that even in the Republican Party, whether it be the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, this idea is they're having to process these concepts of government, and they wanted, there was a faction in the Republican Party want wanted to redefine marriage. There's a faction in the Republican Party that want to change this idea of, of pro-life, pro-choice. And they're just a holding tank to represent uh, the, the populace. They, they want to gain votes. They, want to, they just put their finger in the air, see so where the wind's blowing. But as I shared with these folks, I said, in 1854, in, in, in uh, Tipton, Wisconsin, There was a handful of people that finally said enough is enough as the nation started to move more and more towards pro-slavery, and the Whig Party was decimated, and the Democrats owned the House and the Senate and the executive branch, and every new state that was coming into the union was pro-slavery, and they're watching as this was, it was was unacceptable to them. You don't enslave human beings. Even if 70% of the nation felt as though it was something that the Supreme Court said was legal, so What? And in disgust with the Whig Party and in disgust with the Democratic Party, these folks got together in Tipton, Wisconsin, and there was, there was a bunch of, of teenagers there, too. And they formed, for the very first time, the Republican Party, and by 1860, they had the House and the Senate, and they brought in a Republican president, Abraham Lincoln, and they watched as slavery was ended in the United States. It cost us 650,000 lives, but they stood and they said, it ends on my watch, and I looked at him and I said, You're putting your finger in the air trying to figure out what is popular. Well, sometimes truth isn't popular, but you stand. And the life of a child is non negotiable. Period. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, life. You protect the baby. Well, that's what, that was their roots. And I'm going to describe to you, especially in this passage, how important this word liberty is. Paul takes time. He drives it home. Let's, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the apostle Paul writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes, becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You've become estranged from Christ. You've attempted to be justified by the law. You've fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Let me say that again, but faith working through love, amen? Amen. You ran well, Paul says to the churches, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from Jesus who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross is ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, what? Serve one another. another. But through love, what? For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are, Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Here we go. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another. Here we go. Envying one another. Oh, boy. We we, We are in class envy right now. Our nation in one pitted against another. We're not supposed to do that. Bible says so. Lord, would you show us what you'd have for us in your word? Would you show us what it means to stand? Stand in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has made us free? Lord, would you show us what it means that, that faith working through love? Lord, that, that we would not give opportunity to the flesh in our liberty, but through love serve one another? Or what do you mean by this idea that we are not under the law, but we're led by the Spirit? God, I pray that you'd show us, open our eyes, and transform us for your glory. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I wrote this down. Freedom always faces a fundamental moral challenge. Freedom requires order and therefore restraint. Yet the only restraint that does not contradict freedom is self-restraint, which is the very thing that freedom undermines when it flourishes. Thus the heart of the problem of freedom is the problem of the heart because free societies are characterized by restlessness at their core Paul is looking at a, at a group of churches that have experienced the most revolutionary concept in mankind and in the history of the world for the entire existence of man they have been under the condemnation of the law they've been they, they know that there 's a right and they know that there 's a wrong and they've failed to to meet the standards of the right, and now they're in a place of condemnation and they do, they do whatever they can to try to fix this. In addition, mankind is plagued with what is called a sin nature that we are innately selfish and self-consumed. We're a fallen creature. We're the only creatures in all of God's creation that, that create cosmic treason, or I should say commit cosmic treason. And, and we're, we're, we're in this, this dilemma. And the dilemma is this, we need to get along but you're in my way, and I'm selfish at my core. So are you. Amen? Yes? I mean, we can show your selfishness if you fail to admit it. The people next to you can go, let me just help you. We're all selfish. We've all fallen short of the glory of God there are none righteous no not one and in this course of events how do we govern ourselves in a society how do we get along and, and what happens is all of a sudden Christ comes along where mankind would subjugate another person by the power of the law to bring them into a place of slavery which is what the law does the law enslaves st. pastor how is that possible because the law takes away your freedom the law takes away your freedom Yes, but the law is good. It is good. But you're not under the law when you're a Christian. And yes, the law is good, but it also restrains you. And here's the problem. If you use the law to try to bring out your morality, you just become a prisoner. The law doesn't make you righteous. There's a place where the law is fully in effect, and and, and the people that are there are anything but righteous. It's called prison. The laws everywhere, when you eat, how you eat, where you eat, what you eat, when you sleep, when the lights go on, when the door opens, that's the law, fully contained, but their hearts aren't changed. The law doesn't save. And so along comes Jesus Christ who says, I've come to set the captives free and to give them liberty. What is liberty? Well, I'll tell you what, it's different than, liberty is different, listen, liberty is different than freedom. He says in the passage, Paul says, stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has made us free. Liberty and freedom are two different things. One comes out of the other. One can be taken away and another can't. How do we know this? Because even our founding fathers under natural law said certain inalienable rights endowed by our creator, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or virtue is a better way to coin it. Life, liberty... Inalienable rights endowed by our Creator, given, can't be taken away. Nobody can take away your liberty, but they can't take away your freedom. You see, freedom, according to Thomas Jefferson, freedom is having choices, yes? I have the freedom to be here, and I can also be here. But if you chain me and strap me to the floor, I no longer have freedom to be there or there, yes? Freedom is limited. They take away our freedoms every day. As I stand before you, I lost even more freedoms. In California, if you make over a million dollars, you've just lost fifty-three percent of your freedoms. They're going to take away fifty-three percent of your income, whether it's state and federal taxes. So you're going to have fifty-three percent less choices. And some of you're going, "Well, that's fine because I, I could live off the forty-seven percent that they're making." I, I, Be quiet. <laughs> They've worked hard for that. No, they haven't. I deserve that. Now we got a problem. That's envy. We got class warfare. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. And so we have this problem, and there's dissension, discord, destruction, anger, jealousy, strife, division. And Paul comes along and says, Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So, where do you get the freedom? Paul's writing this in prison. But he has liberty. Freedom is having choices, right? Yes? We got that. But liberty is having the ability to do what's right. And you always have that. You can be in prison, chained, and be able to forgive your captors. They can slap you, and you can give them the other cheek. They can put a pack on your back and say, walk a mile, and you can take it two miles. Where do you get that liberty? And what's amazing is the more that they dump on you, and they're angry at you, and they spit on you, and they mock you, and they crucify you, the more they're moved by your life. And what motivates a man to give himself to such an extent? You see, liberty calls us to do what's right. A handful of people in Tipton, Wisconsin, said human beings are not to be enslaved. Even though more than 70% of the United States of America believed that slavery would never be removed, even as they watched the the pro-slavery forces start to gain greater and greater footholds through manipulation, even as they dominated the economic realm of the nation, these people said no. No. They may limit my freedom, they may put me in jail, they may isolate me politically, they may do whatever they want, but on my watch, there will never be another human being that I will permit in my realm or my sphere of influence to be enslaved. That was 1854. By 1860, that handful of people had so affected the country to realize that these are human beings, they're not slaves. Based on the color of their skin, God has created us equal. We have certain inalienable rights. And by 1860, they dominated the House and the Senate, and they even got a president for the first time in the Republican Party into the White House. That president had the lowest approval rating for both terms of office except towards the end. And even though his approval ratings rose, he got a bullet in the back of his head because he did what was right. He exercised liberty even in the face of opposition. One man and God constitutes a majority. That's liberty. Liberty is always the ability to do what is right. And you always have that ability. You can stand when all others stand against you and say, it is not a blob of tissue, it is a baby, and no more will be killed on my watch. Now, listen, I, I, I don't say that to condemn the women who have experienced abortion in our community. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I do pray that all of us are convicted. Conviction draws us nearer to the Lord and wants to do what's right. And with that conviction, we say, no more. I, I was part of it in the past. I may have enslaved. Listen, John Newton was the one who wrote Amazing Grace. He was a slave trader. He knew, he, he knew what he was singing about. Just because you've been convicted by the sin that you've, you've committed doesn't mean you're Condemned. God is moving you that others wouldn't be enslaved by that. And we would look as a nation and say, you know what? The conviction you have of the liberty you're exercising to protect a child's life, the Supreme Court has ruled that you no longer have the freedom to exercise that conscience. Because we give by judicial fiat in a representative form of government, we give by judicial fiat the freedom for all women to kill their children at any stage that they want. And we as Christians say, no. You be quiet or you're going to jail. Then send me to jail. Are you willing to make that stand? Because Paul says, stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has set you free. You see, we think freedom is for the purpose self-indulgence. Freedom is this ability, and again, let me read it. Freedom always faces a fundamental moral challenge. Freedom requires order and therefore restraint, yet only restraint that does not contradict freedom is self-restraint, which is a very thing that freedom undermines when it flourishes. What do we have? We have people going, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? I have freedom. This is America. Who are you to tell me who I can and can't marry? This is America! (laughs) Freedom without restraint is bondage. In the land of the free and the home of the brave, why are we inundated with rehab clinics? You see, liberty is doing what's right, and then you're secured freedoms in a nation who has experienced self-restraint, you remove self-restraint and then everyone says, I have freedoms. And all that does is put us back into bondage. You can yell at me and go, who are you to define marriage? Let me just tell you, it's, this, isn't, this isn't a civil issue. The fact that the Supreme Court is arguing a religious, a religious term of marriage is ridiculous they, they have no realm in the church. They can deal with civil unions all they want, but do not mess with the word marriage. That's not their realm. The Bible says that a man will leave his mother and father and be cleaved to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, whether you agree or disagree is irrelevant. It is a religious term. If you want to take it away, and listen, I know what that's like. It would be easier for me with my lesbian sister and, and all of my friends that I... I, I, I operate with to be able to say, let's just redefine it. But here's the problem. If you redefine it, if you redefine it, the truth is never tolerant of a lie, and a lie is never tolerant of the truth. One of them is going to have to go. And that means you will lose your First Amendment rights. Those are what? Freedoms. The exercise of religion. Religion. So when I teach out of Romans 1 that we speak of homosexuality and we say it is a sin, they're saying, you are not allowed to say that, and now I will lose my freedom, but I won't lose my liberty. I'll still be able to preach it in prison. And I will. I don't want to, but I will. And you know why? Because I want the captives to be set free. There are things worth fighting for. You see, we think in our world that freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom, fine, but you're going to be in bondage over time. And that bondage is going to be removing religious freedom and then with the removal of religious freedom is going to be this ability to speak the truth and have this dialogue and operate together in a context. And here's here's what Paul says. He says, look, don't be entangled, entangled again in a yoke of bondage. He says, I say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And again, I testified every man to become circumcised, that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You've become estranged from Christ. You've attempted to be justified by the law. You've fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. He's saying this. He says, look, you want to remove God from the equation and make yourself righteous by observation of the law. You want to to tell people how special you are. I, I want to legalize marijuana. I want to legalize gay marriage. I want to legalize abortion. And I'm going to do it through the Supreme Court. Do it. Good for you. But guess what? You have no freedoms. You've enslaved someone else for the sake of yours. You've enslaved the conscience of Christians. We no longer have the ability to dialogue and operate together. And who are the ones who make the laws without absolutes? If God's word's not an absolute, who makes the laws? Those in power. In power to do what? Enslave. That's why in the French Revolution you had liberty, equality, and fraternity. Liberty. Their idea of liberty was we're all equal. And if you're a little more equal than I am, you're not part of my fraternity. If you're not part of my fraternity... What was the symbol of the French Revolution? The guillotine. We're just going to get rid of you. We'll imprison you. You, either, you can have all the freedoms you want as long as they appeal to me. You can have any color of, of, a, of, a, of a Ford you want as long as it's black. Henry Ford, right? There's no freedom. Their idea of liberty is you're going to do what I tell you to do, and you're going to be like me, and if you're not part of my fraternity, you're out of the equation. Equality. Equality. And here's the problem. Truth will never be equal with a lie, and a lie will never be equal with the truth. Somebody's got to go. So I get the guillotine. Why do you enslave Christians? Why is socialism such the bane of, of the Christian world? Why are all the Christians destroyed in communist countries? Why are billions of people massacred? People say, oh, Christians are responsible for the greatest holocaust in mankind. No, they aren't. Oh, what about the Salem witch trials? Less than 20 people died. Oh, but but, but what about the the Inquisition? Less than 100,000 people died. And even if you look at more scholarly efforts, it's less than 20,000. But I'll give you 100,000. Still, 100,000 too many, but 100,000. How many people died at the hands of Pol Pot and Mao Zedong and Hitler and Stalin?
1: Billions,
0: mostly Christians. They don't exist together. the tragedy is we want our freedoms. Even if it's the expense of yours. And that's where Paul says, listen, Christian, you think righteousness comes by whether you're circumcised or you're uncircumcised. You got some sort of law. And you, you come in here, listen, you come in here and you go, Pastor, I don't drink. Good for you. Good for you. Well, I don't think Christians should drink. Good for you. I don't think they should smoke either. Good for you. Or well, do you drink? Do you smoke? Does it matter? Oh, I wanna know, does it matter? Well, it would. I'm gonna find another church. Why? Well, because I don't see that you're a Christian. <laughs> Let me help you with something. All things are permissible, not all things are profitable. I can be right in front of you right now with a big Colt 45 beer, pop the lid, and I can drink it in front of you, and I'm still going to heaven. Some of you are going, oh, I don't think that's possible. I can spark up a big fat stogie and just, just be sipping it and <sighs> holding the Colt 45. I've already got the belly for it. <laughs> Drinking it, smoking. Some of you just, it would bend you sideways. You'd, ooh, this, ooh. And I get that. But let me tell you something you don't corner the market on morality. And your laws and your legalism don't save you and don't make you any more special. You're saved by grace through faith. That's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't walk around with your nose in the air because you're better than anyone else. We're saved by grace. Christ's righteousness is put on our account. Yes, we have freedom. We're not under the law. I can drink a beer and I can smoke a cigar. I choose not to. I have. You won't see me. I won't do it in front of you. i stumble some of you. Some of you came out of alcoholism. It's like food sacrificed to idols. It bugs you. It's still food. You can buy it cheaper at the, at the idol market. And it's less. And you can get filet mignon for three bucks a pound or buy it at the supermarket for 16 bucks a pound or you can buy it at the idol worship market. Well, some people go, I used to be a part of that, that, that idol worship and I can't eat that meat because it brings back that. I won't do it. I'll, go buy, I'll pay 15 bucks. I, I want to serve you. I won't drink in front of you. I won't smoke in front of you. I don't want to stumble you, and I do that because, listen, I do that because, listen, I do that because I love you. I don't do it because I'm better than you. And so what Paul's saying is, look, I don't care if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. He just says, it avails nothing. I don't care. I don't care if you're pre-millennial. pre I don't care if you're a Calvinist. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I really don't. And listen, whatever your theology is, I don't care. Now, there's certain non-negotiables like the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture. We all agree on those things. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, he says, faith working through love. Faith working through love. You know what sells me? Your heart. That liberty is to do what's right. You see how do we how do we maintain these liberties these freedoms by doing what's right Look what he says in verse 7 he he tells the church he says look you guys were doing great you ran well but somebody hindered you from obeying the truth This persuasion doesn't come from Jesus who calls you a little leaven leaven's a whole lump he's talking about yeast you know what yeast is it's microorganisms that they throw into the batter And then they eat stuff, and then they burp and make other noises. And then the air pockets. And And the bread gets really tasty with all the things that they made. Tastes like sourdough. You know what sourdough is? Okay, let's just think about it. Okay. And you think, oh, there's so much bread. Well, it's still the same amount. It's just got a lot of air in it. Air worthless. Just hot air. And and what he's saying is a little bit of leaven, just a little bit of these microorganisms just make everything worthless. And it leavens the whole lump. And he says in verse 10, I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? The offense of the cross has ceased. The law is irrelevant. Irrelevant. He says, I could wish that those who would trouble you would even cut themselves off. He says in verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. But listen, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, here's how it works. Oh, pastor, you mean I'm not under the law? Exactly. All things are permissible? You bet this is good you mean I can I, I, I can drink a beer sure ooh I can smoke too mm-hmm really yeah ooh this is good I can do these things mm-hmm by the way when I do that voice I'm trying to mimic a woman not a man in case some of you are going oh he's, he's acting like a homosexual no I'm not I'm not I'm telling you, I'm not. It's this third person to try to get somebody to say something that they're thinking that I'm, it's a gimmick. So go, why is he acting like a gay? I'm trying to act like a woman. Somebody go, well, I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman. Good. Now it's working. I'm just telling you, let it go. All right. Thanks. This idea, he says, you've been called to liberty, only don't use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. You see, here, here's the thing. Yeah, you, you, you can drink. Yeah. You can smoke. You can watch R-rated movies. But you don't take the liberty for the opportunity of yourself. He says, Listen. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Love one another as you love yourself. I I, I love me. I love me. Uh, my daughter's getting married August 3rd. Thank you. Every, it must have been Micah, every wedding, (laughs) every wedding show ever produced, I've endured. (laughs) There's one guy, David Tatera. That's where I got this really cool shirt idea from him. Anyways, you're not impressed. (laughs) At the end of every show, and I, Maybe you see it, maybe you agree or disagree, but at the end of every show, he always includes the part where they're thanking him. And he gets this look on his face. (laughs) I've seen that look. They're going, we couldn't have done this without you, David, and we're so thankful, and you made my dreams come true. And he's... (laughs) It's the same look when you get a hit of heroin. Me, <laughs> tell me more about me. Yes, I do this because of how it makes me feel. We appear to be selfless, but we're using other people's money to make me feel good. Now he does some great things. I'm not to belittle it, but just leave that part out where they're thanking you. Don't let the right hand do what the left know the left hand's doing. Right? Glorify your father in heaven. He's amazingly gifted. Things that happen for these folks, get back there, get back there, get back there. So at this point, he's saying, serve one another for all the laws fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbors yourself. Here's, here's, how, here's how you avoid it. Listen, here's how you do it. It's really simple. Here's how you avoid stealing someone else's liberties and their freedoms. Here's how you accomplish the liberty in Christ Here's how you use the, the, the freedoms God's given you and the liberties God's given you, not for the opportunity of the flesh. Here's how it works, ready? Booyah! Die! That's your cross. Uh, back to Galatians. I, Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I, me, mine. I, self-ego, self-preservation, you're dead. And when you die, Jesus lives. And you're like, okay, what does that mean? Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. And he says, let me show you how that works. Let me show you how it works, Christian. Let me show you how it works, person who desires to see liberty, person who loves freedom. Let me show you how you're not going to be enslaved by taking away someone else's freedoms by exacting your laws. Really, that's what it is. I come in and I establish laws because I'm in a position of authority and those laws come at your expense. And I'm happy with the laws because they benefit me because I'm in the place to make them. But how did we get this experiment of a democratic republic represented by this idea of a nation that cherishes liberty? Where did we get this concept? From the Bible. That liberty comes from the Lord. They're inalienable rights endowed by our creator. That's what they put down. That you always have the ability to do what's right. Even when they've got a gun at your head. I'm willing to go to prison. I can do what's right. Even if it's not popular, it's right. Listen, you're moral people. That's good. Morality is not doing what's wrong. I'm glad for you. Pastor, I don't do that. Good. You're a moral person people, but oh, that we'd have character. Pastor, I, I am pro-life, and I, I, I believe that a child is a gift from God. Good. And I would never murder a child. I would never take a child's life in the womb. Good. 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 You're moral. But here's character. you make sure that there's not a waiting list for these families with special needs kids. Because your television show isn't more important than their lives. That's character. You do something. You make a stand. You stand in that liberty. You stand. Nobody gets past me. No baby dies on my watch. No abortion clinics in my community. Marriage will be honored. Lives will be blessed. The homeless will be ministered to. The gospel will be preached. That's character, doing what's right. That's liberty, doing what is right, doing. That's why it says serving one another, serving one another. And then he contrasts the two, and he says it simply by this. He says, verse 16, I say, then walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you don't do the things you wish. I can understand the flesh wanting to have the authority of God. You know, I, I I'm I don't need you, God. I can handle life on my own. I'm gonna run it. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to be accountable. And God, throw the Bible out. You Christians are a bunch of fools. I'm on my own. I'm gonna, you know, to hell with all you. I'll just ride this thing. And then there's no heaven. There's no hell. It's just you didn't learn. <laughs> well, I get that. I've lived it. It's really comforting, isn't it? Especially when you're all alone in your selfishness. You on your eighth marriage? <laughs> Not on my eighth. I'm on my first still. But I'm just saying. And you just, you've lived your life for yourself and no one wants to be around you. When you treat others like servants, you wonder why at the end of your life you're surrounded by them. You have no family. Because it's all about you. Chil- children, you know why they don't want to be around you? Because they were an inconvenience to you when they were young. And you didn't want them to be around you. They were, they were an infringement on your freedoms. And so I needed somebody else to watch them. Now, some of you have kids in daycare. I'm not dumping on you. You know what I'm speaking of. I'm not here to bring condemnation. It's observation. We serve one another. People aren't inconveniences. They're gifts from God to serve. And so he says, I want to sit on the throne of your life. Your selfish, fleshly nature, crucify it, let me reign supreme. I long to be on the seat in the throne of your life. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then finally, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and we can go through this, adultery, fornication, watching reality shows, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, reading the tabloids in the supermarket on the way out and feeling yourself better than the people in those pictures, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I mean, think about adultery, adultery. Could there be anything more selfish? Today's a day I'm going to wake up and alienate my spouse and screw up my kids' lives because I just really want this. And it comes with subtlety over time, but it's still selfish. You've moved away from the Spirit of God. You go on with fornication. I, I, I don't want to wait on the Lord. I don't want to keep myself safe free from harm or danger for my future spouse. I don't want to deny myself. I want to engage myself. I mean, you test drive a car before you buy it, kick the tires. I mean, you're going to sleep with the person. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. Might as well take what I want and just see if it's something I like. Selfish. Selfish, 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 selfish. Impatient. Uncleanness, lewdness. Your mouth is filthy. You walk in. Everyone is affected by you. You don't care. I want everyone to know I'm here, dog. Got it. Damn it! Oh, you just love to use those names. And why do we say Jesus Christ? Because we're lewd and we're unclean. We want to get a rise out of people. Oh, Jesus Christ! You want to go in and go, oh, Muhammad? Do that in front of a bunch of Muslims. Good luck, friend. <laughs> but you want to pick on somebody that loves you, and you want to be lewd, crude, rude, and impolite, and socially unacceptable, and you just want them to know. I know how to bully people that aren't going to push back. Good for you. Look at you, tough gal, guy. <laughs> and I know that they don't like the way I dress, but I am just going to draw attention to myself. Idolatry, whatever it is, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, just bark at people. Speaking bumper stickers, get angry. Envy, murder, <laughs> drunkenness, revelries. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then the last verse is here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We're back to that word again. (laughs) Greater love has no man than this and to lay down his life for a friend. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. This is love, not that we love God, but that he first, first loved us. I'll love you when you start loving me. Pastor, I can't love others until I first learn how to love myself. What? I don't love me. What? I don't. I don't love me. I hate myself. I'm just overweight, and I just hate myself. I'm not pretty. And you really hate yourself? Yes. No, that's not true. Why do you say that? Because if you really hated yourself, you'd be happy you're overweight and ugly. (laughs) Come on, think about it. Yes? Here's what you're doing. Could you tell me how pretty I am? You're not overweight. I'm not. No. You you look. Oh, thanks. Well, <laughs> David Tutera look. <laughs> Tell me more about me. No, no, you're pretty. Oh. <laughs> you get the me drug. You love yourself. I can't love others till I first love myself. No. No, 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 no. Here's Here's the here's the solution. You need to die. You are so in love with yourself, there's no room for anyone else. You die, Jesus lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I close with this thought. They did an experiment. Interesting. They did an experiment. They got people in a room, and they gave them a fictitious $100 bill, and they let them work the stock market. And at the end of that time, some of them had $20 remaining. Others didn't make any money, lost it, and some made 40 bucks out of the ori- original 100 And they did really well. Then the guy who was controlling the experiment walked into the people who would made 20 bucks. The others he just dismissed and made 100, but he goes into the folks that made 20 bucks. He goes, you made 20 bucks? They're like, we did? Yeah, awesome. 20 bucks, right on. And we knew it was fictitious, but we're still giving you the 20 bucks. <gasps> right on, 20 bucks, cha-ching. I gotta tell you though, you see the folks in the, in the one-way mirror in here? Yeah, those folks in that room, yeah. They made 40 bucks. Why'd you tell me that? I was excited. I made twenty. Why? They made forty. Yeah, they made forty bucks. They did better than you did. Oh, I mean, they, and we're going to give them the forty. Oh man, what did they do different? I mean, did well? They just they were a little smarter. And the oh really? Yeah. But listen, we haven't talked to them yet, so I'll tell you what. I mean, they look kind of smug, don't they? Yeah, they do. I'll tell you what. I can work it, but I need a little help. Why don't you give me five bucks of the 20 we're going to give you? You give me five. You can keep 15. And I'll arrange to go in and make sure that they only get 20 bucks. They'll lose half of what they made. Really? I give five, they lose 20? Yeah. You're on. Almost 70% of the people agreed to it. Here's why. Greed is wanting something you don't have. Envy is, and this is what the Lord closes with, envy is, if I can't have it, neither can you. That's demonic. That's demonic. That needs to be crucified. Why are we in a place of class warfare? Why can't we rejoice and serve one another? We have liberty to do what's right. Let's do it. Amen? Let's close with prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have declared to us that we are no longer to devour one another, but that serve one another. Through love, we're to serve one another. If we're led by the Spirit, we're no longer under the law. We no longer need to be conceited or provoke one another, or even envy one another. We've crucified that. We're Christ's. We now walk in love and joy and peace, long-suffering kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so, Lord, as your people, may we find ourselves standing fast in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has made us free. We're not bound by the law. We've been set free. And the heart that is restrained in Christ is the one that is the freest and the one that has the most liberty to do what is right. Thank you, Lord. Faith working through love. What a joy it is to be a part of the body of Christ. Thank you for this liberty. May we understand it and exercise it for your glory to set the captives free in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close with a song of praise and worship.